But we're actually in week 50. We're studying the book of Matthew, and we're in the middle of chapter 17. And I, you know, if you think back, I've spent a lot of time showing what Matthew was trying to tell his readers, the readers of this gospel, the Hebrews of the first century. His book of all the gospels is the one most focused on showing Yeshua is the Messiah, the Son of God, deity, that he's the prophet like Moses. That's what Matthew's about doing in the book. He wants to bring out all of these things in, in a focus in a way that we'll see that Yeshua is deity, that he's the Son of God, that he's the Messiah. But you have to remember something. That's not what Yeshua's mission is. Yeshua is about making disciples. We want to keep our minds on what Matthew is trying to accomplish in his gospel, but we also have to keep our minds on what Yeshua is really about. You see, the focus of Yeshua is preparing disciples to go out to the nations in the same power and the same anointing that he has so that they can declare the good news to the nations of the earth. All of the other things that he's doing, he's actually doing these things to help prepare his disciples for that mission. He'll also give his life so that it can be accomplished. Well, today we're going to see the, this focus again on behalf of Messiah, and we're going to see some despair on his part at how slow the disciples are to learn. As we pick up in chapter 17, Yeshua has just come down the mountain with Peter, James, and John from this transfiguration, what we t- talked about last week. And they come down the mountain, and they find a crowd gathered there with the other disciples. And this is what we read in verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Yeshua and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or in the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. So, first thing we should probably talk about is that what we see here is the same thing that we've seen with demons before. This destructive behavior, a desire to kill, destroy the host. The disciples have actually, they've been given power to drive this demon out. Chapter 10, Yeshua says, I gave him power. But this demon does not move. They couldn't cast him out. And so the man seeks out Yeshua himself, which, you know, that tells us something about the faith of the man. He's not willing to be turned away. He's going to go see the Messiah himself. And Yeshua responds in this way. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Yeshua replied. How long will I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. We must assume that Yeshua is referring to his disciples when he says unbelieving and perverse generation. He certainly isn't referring to the father. It would seem the father is unmoved by the disciples' inability to cast out the demon. He still has faith enough to go seek the master out. In the face of the failure of his disciples, he goes and he seeks out the master. And so it really left wondering, what does he mean by generation here? Let me tell you what I read one commentator say. He said, Yeshua meant that the faith level of the disciples, which should have been great by now, was not what it should be. And after being with Yeshua and seeing all the things that the master had done, Because look at all the things that these disciples have seen. I think that makes sense. And I think that he's on to something here. I want to expand on it a little bit, though. 
He calls them unbelieving. In other words, he tells them, you're without faith. Think about all the instruction that he's given them. Think of all they've seen the master do. And remember, in chapter 10, he gave them the power to drive out demons. So it would seem to me that they have no faith in what the master has given them, in the faith of what he's given them. And then he says perverse. And if you read the Greek, it means to make something deformed. And so what is he saying to his disciples? He's saying that their lack of faith brings a deformity to the kingdom. When we don't have faith, when we're powerless against the enemy, we distort the kingdom of God. If we say we're of the kingdom of God and we're without faith, they look at us and they think less of the kingdom of God. He's saying that their faith level has slipped to a level of the rest of the people of the day. And it's not that of the kingdom. The disciples should have had a faith level that of the kingdom. They were preaching the kingdom of heaven is near. And yet, their lack of faith distorted that message. They should have been able to operate in the power that Yeshua had given them. So Yeshua will next show the power of the kingdom. He says this in verse 18, Yeshua rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. No trouble here. No excitement. He just says, come on out. And at that very moment, he was healed. You know, this has always been troubling to me. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a place where they do deliverance, where deliverance was done. But did you ever know, all the places I've been, it's always been a lot of hoopla, a lot of showiness, people shouting and screaming at the demon and so forth. And, you know, it would go on for lengthy periods of time. But not Yeshua and the disciples. They just say, come out and it comes out. The other thing I saw in these places is, is oftentimes the people are back the very next week wanting the demon taken out again. And the problem with that is they didn't want the demon out in the first place. They're real comfortable with it. I, I understand this. Understand that if you have Yeshua abiding within you, these types of spirits cannot stand unless you allow it. Spiritual warfare is, 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 on this level is sticky. I'm of the belief that if you truly want to be delivered, you need only ask. And you shall receive. And the disciples, but they don't understand all of this. And so we read this in verse 19. It says, the disciples came to Yeshua in private and asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, because you have so little faith. They had so little faith. The answer in his statement earlier, the same in the statement earlier, you have little faith. Let's look at faith. Hebrews tells us this about faith. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. For by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so what is seen was not made out of what was visible. The book of Hebrews tells us that faith is being certain of what we do not see. Being certain of what you do not see requires something. And I'll tell you what it requires. It requires relationship with God. It requires a knowledge of God and it requires experience with God. Relationship with God. That gives you confidence in what is yet unseen. 
if you're going to have faith that God exists, and I'm not talking about the church's idea of faith here. I'm talking about Abrahamic faith here. A faith that no matter what the world says, a faith that no matter what you know to be true through your experience in this life, God has told you that it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, and so you place your son on the altar. I'm talking about faith that drives out demons, faith that heals the sick. That's what's missing here. And for that, you have to have relationship with the Father, with Yeshua. If we look at Abraham, it's the only way he knew anything about the God of Israel was by relationship. Granted, perhaps he had heard a few stories about God, about the flood, but everything else came through interaction with God. Now, another piece of the picture here is the disciples evidently had previously, I believe they had previously operated in the power that Yeshua had given them. He had given them the power to drive out demons in chapter 10. This is not the first time that I don't think that they've used that power. Otherwise, why would they have answered? We couldn't drive him out. They seem surprised at that. So here's what I see. I see these disciples at the foot of the mountain. And unlike Peter, James, and John, they hadn't gone up the mountain. They hadn't seen Yeshua glorified. They hadn't heard the Father say, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. Ah, but they had heard the declaration that Yeshua is the son of God from Peter. They had heard Yeshua tell them and give them the power to cast out demons. Yet these disciples were able to walk in what Yeshua had given them to do. And we see that their faith is of a level to follow Yeshua, to believe in the miracles that he's done, and the words that he has spoken. Their faith was of a level that they could operate in the gifts as long as Yeshua was near. But their faith is not of a level to step out on their own. For someone training disciples, or we could say trying to make copies of himself as Yeshua, This might be a bit discouraging, right? After all, he's been with them a long time now. Faith of the level needed here was that of being able to carry out the command of Yeshua had given them. And guess what? They just aren't there yet. Remember Yeshua, just before he ascended the mountain with Peter, James, and John, had begun to break the news to his disciples that he was going to suffer and die. Also remember that The reason he's here is to train these men to go out and make disciples of the nations, each to carry out a mission that will individually require their lives. Each of them will certainly drive out demons in the future. But what we see is they're just not ready yet. And we see the frustration in Yeshua's response. How long will I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? He's frustrated. Let's go back to faith. It takes faith to walk in what God has given us to do. And faith comes through here. And Shaul tells us this about faith in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes through hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Messiah. See, this is what I want to get across to you. The other part of faith is it comes through relationship with God. Through hearing Yeshua. 
And if the relationship is not what it should be, then faith will always fall short. I said earlier, Abraham had it. He had relationship with God. He spoke to God. Jacob had it. David had it. Messiah had it. They all had relationship. Over and over in the wilderness, the Israelites fall short and showed a lack of faith in God's ability to keep them. Moses, however, not so much. What was the difference between Moses and the rest of the Israelites? It was relationship. God offered Israel relationship. He says, if you'll hear my voice and keep my covenant. In other words, if you'll have relationship. But they said, no, Moses, you speak to us. You see, the difference between Moses and the rest of Israel was Moses had relationship with God, and they didn't. They turned it down. And if we look at Moses as the mediator of the covenant, the one who bring the people's wishes to God and God's answers to the people. If we look at him as the mediator of the covenant, the one who had relationship with God and then conveyed that to the people, what happens at his absence? They build a golden calf. And why do they build a golden calf? Well, let's read in verse chapter 32 of Exodus. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. You see, the one that they lost faith in was Moses. Because he's gone and relationship is broken, it's destroyed. And let me tell you something. If you rely on someone else like Moses for your faith, your relationship with God, and if that person is gone, then your faith will be gone too. It'll be diminished. And I think we're seeing something similar here. Yeshua's gone. He's up the mountain, just like Moses. And the faith of the disciples is destroyed. The whole episode tells us the disciples aren't ready yet to go out on their own. It tells us that their relationship is with Yeshua and with him gone, faith is not what it should be. And that, of course, will change later with his death and resurrection and they receive the Holy Spirit. But at this time, faith is not there. And we can see this as well if we look a little, if we look at the word used for faith in verse 20. Most manuscripts, are, uh, most, most manuscripts use the word and pardon my Greek before I even say it, ologobistia. And it means impoverished faith. Impoverished faith. Almost as if faith were there, but then impoverished. What made their faith impoverished? It was the lack of relationship. Yeshua was up the mountain. Now, granted, we don't have that problem anymore, right? Right? We don't if we take the time to pray and build relationship with God. If not, then we're most certainly destined to be like the disciples in this passage. We're going to have impoverished faith. Verse 21 says, I tell you the truth. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so Yeshua uses this metaphor here, the mustard seed, a very small seed, and a mountain, something very large and impossible to move, an obstacle. 
And let me say, it is a metaphor. Don't beat yourself up if you go say to a mountain move and it doesn't move. <laughs> Yeshua's metaphor is summed up for us in nothing will be impossible for you. And we could say this as I think it is what Yeshua is saying. With relationship with God, nothing is impossible for you. You know, he insinuates that very same thing in chapter 19. He says, Yeshua looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. You see, if you have relationship with God, if you have relationship with Yeshua, you will not falter. Faith and relationship go hand in hand. It would be impossible for a fisherman to say, demon be gone. But for Yeshua, the demon must obey. So through relationship and trust in Yeshua, nothing is impossible. But the moral here is that it takes relationship. And that is why, you know, I put so much emphasis on, on, on the prayer study when we, when we have it. God has given us all a mission. We all have something to do for the kingdom. But it takes faith and trust to walk it out. And faith requires action, but that action must be accompanied by the knowledge that it will be done, that God is going to do it. That comes through relationship of what he's done in your life, of what you've seen him do. Evidently, the disciples, they had stepped out, but they didn't really believe that Yeshua had given them the power without him being there. And that is the lesson for us. Nothing is impossible with Yeshua, and without him, without confidence in what he has given us to do, the power he has entrusted us with, without relationship with him, we can do nothing for him or for anyone else. Mark ends the telling of this story a little, he ends it this way, I want to read from Mark. But this kind does not come out except by prayer. Did you read that? This kind doesn't come out except by prayer. That's exactly what we've been talking about, isn't it? Some later manuscripts add fasting, but that's not in many of the more reliable manuscripts. It just says prayer. So Yeshua adds, demons this powerful go out through prayer. And so what we learn here is that faith and the power Yeshua has left us is reliant on our relationship with the Messiah Yeshua through prayer. The whole passage emphasizes the need for relationship. The fact that knowing of Yeshua is not enough. Salvation alone is not enough. But it's relationship with Yeshua that will get you through the battles of life. And if we read Shaul's letters to the Ephesians, we're going to see the same thing. He says this in Ephesians chapter 6, in verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Shaul tells us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's what the disciples have forgotten. The power that Yeshua walks in, walked in, and the limitlessness of the power and the authority that he had given them. That's what Shaul tells us to walk in. Amen? 
Listen to what else he says. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You see what, Yeshua, what Shaul is telling us here? Clothe yourself in Messiah. You do that through relationship. The truth he tells us to buckle around our waist is the word of God, but it's the word of God revealed to us by Messiah Yeshua. It's the Torah revealed by Messiah and walked out in Messiah. It's going back to Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 and walking out the commands of Yeshua, not from the head, not from tradition, but from the heart. Because you love your fellow man and you love the Lord your God with all your heart. For the disciples, it came about through relationship with Yeshua. And it comes about for us the same way. The difference being, they had a chance to walk with him in the flesh. We get to walk with him in the spirit. We do that by remaining at all times in prayer. That's why Shaul tells us, pray without ceasing. Listen to what he says in verse 16. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You see, over and over, Shaul tells us, pray because it builds relationship. And that relationship builds faith. And with that faith, you're able to put out the flaming arrows of the evil one. They're the doubt that comes to your mind. That's what those flaming arrows are. That's the doubt that comes to your mind. But faith, true faith, extinguishes those things. Notice he says, pray in the Spirit at all times because that's what builds faith. It's relationship with God that builds faith. It's relationship with Messiah. And it's developed in prayer. And that will carry you through the battles of life. And to show that he believes that, he says this in verse 19, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, the words I may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. If I emphasize relationship often, it's because it's that important. Yeshua, realizing that his disciples aren't ready and the time is short, again, he tells them this in verse 22. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life, and the disciples were filled with grief. He tells them, He's not going to be with them much longer. He tells them the same thing that he told them in chapter 16 before he goes up the mountain. Now after he comes down the mountain, he tells them the same thing. Yeshua's disappointment with his disciples. It's almost as if he's saying, come on guys, I'm not going to be here much longer. I think that this incident weighed heavily on Yeshua. Remember, he is the son of God. But he also came in the frailty of a fallen man. He has the same emotions we have and so forth. 
Well, seeing his disciples still suffering from the same lack of faith as the rest of the crowd that gathered around, weighed on him. And so, again, he begins to tell them that he's going to suffer at the hands of men, not just to prepare him for his death, but to say, come on, guys, wake up. I'm not going to be here much longer. The response given by the disciples uh, varies from gospel to gospel. Matthew says, and the disciples were filled with grief. Mark says, but they did not understand this statement, and they were afraid to ask. Luke says, but they did not understand this statement. It was concealed from them, and so they would not perceive it, and they were afraid to ask him about this statement. So if we take all of these together, we can put all these statements together, these varying answers that we get, if we combine the answers, I think we can get, understand the disciples' response a little better. First, they were filled with grief. This is not the first time Yeshua had said this. And guess what? They've been with Yeshua. They know that his words come to be. And so they would be filled with grief to know that Yeshua was going to, that his words were going to come to be. But while they were, knew his words were true, they still couldn't wrap their minds around this. Think about it. They couldn't wrap their minds around what he said. They couldn't understand. How could it be that the Son of God, that the Messiah that they were expecting would be killed? How could it be that this end-time figure, the Son of Man, this powerful end-time figure that Enoch wrote about, who would judge the world, how could he be killed? It didn't compute for them. They didn't understand, but they were also afraid to ask. And if we go forward, even to the resurrection, we can see the same doubt. Listen to it. We see it in Mary in John chapter 20, verse 15. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him and I will get him. Same doubt. John chapter 20, verse 24, doubting Thomas. Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Yeshua came, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. We can see it in the response of the other disciples as well in Luke chapter 24, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Yeshua himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were all startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. But you know, the one that really brings this home was is on the road to Emmaus. Luke chapter 24 and verse 17. Listen to what they say. They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened here in these last days? What things, he asked. About Yeshua of Nazareth, he replied. He was up the prophet, powerful in the word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced. They crucified him, but we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. 
We need to see that Messiah's coming and ruling was so ingrained in these men and the people of Israel that even after his death, even after his resurrection, standing face to face with him, they had trouble believing. See, that's the problem. If you read the things in this book, you read the things that Messiah did, and then you read about him dying on a stake, it's hard to believe that he's still the Son of God, isn't it? Isn't it hard to believe that the Son of God would hang on a stake and die? That's why it takes relationship. That's why it takes relationship. If you don't have it, you'll be like one of those folks I spoke of a few weeks ago who don't believe Yeshua's deity. You see, the whole moral of this story and the whole moral is stay in relationship with Messiah Yeshua. Get into relationship if you're not there and stay in it if you are. Amen.